I've moved about so much in my ministry over the past 25 years that it can be hard for me to keep in contact with my closest friends. But here's the thing about my closest friends, and you will find the same with yours as well. It doesn't matter how big the gaps in time are since I last met up with them. It feels like you're just picking up where you left off. I have a really good friend who lives down in Dublin, Ken, and we just don't see each other that often. He turned up here at my installation, and I think that since then, I've got to see him once over the past five and a half years. But at one stage, we went down to Dublin. Bellan and I went down to stay in Dublin for a few days, and Ken came to see us at the hotel we were staying in. And it was just like I'd last seen him two hours before. That's a special kind of friendship. And I wonder today, who is your best friend? I wonder what kind of a friend are you? What kind of a friend are you like? I read this. Someone said that some people bring joy wherever they go. Some people bring joy whenever they go. And you can decide which of those categories you fall into today. But we've been created to be in relationship. It lies right at the heart of our nature. After all, God is in relationship within the Godhead. That's hard for us to get our heads around, to understand that wonderful truth of the Trinity that runs all the way through Scripture. But Scripture reveals that God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in this dynamic relationship. And remember that we are created in God's image. We are made in many ways to be like Him. And we have been made for friendship. That's the whole purpose of us being here in the world. Ultimately, we've been made for friendship with God. And that's the first bit that needs to be in place. And God has set us here to be in friendship with each other, but we know that sin has ruined this, that the arrival of sin into the world fractured that ultimate relationship between maker and his people, and then it impacts on every other relationship. That's why there is anxiety and woe and trouble in our friendships and our relationships in life. But a friendship is right at the heart of who we are, as people who have been made in God's image, then that makes friendship a pretty big deal. And so, it's helpful for us today to consider David the friend. What it is that God's Word tells us about David and his closest friend, Jonathan. And today, as we once again come to this series where we're thinking about David's life, it's important to understand that his friendship with God was the key aspect of his life. That the Lord said of David that David was a man after his own heart. He meant that David had a heart for God. If you want to put it like this, David shared the Lord's outlook. And that makes David someone that it is great for us to meet. 
And once again today, as we look at King David, we keep an eye on a future king. We're looking ahead. Our ultimate focus will be on that much greater king who would descend from the line of David. After all, this is part of a much greater story of an ultimate king who would save his people, of King Jesus. And so, once again today, expect to hear much about King Jesus as we look at the lives of these two men and their friendship together. So, with that in mind, turn with me again, please, to 1 Samuel and to chapters 18 and 19. I encourage you to open up a copy of God's Word for yourself today. And today we get to meet David the friend. What is it that we can learn from this amazing friendship that existed between David and Jonathan? Well, their story helps us to see what the Lord wants us to be like in our friendships with each other. And while their friendship was unique, for a few moments today, I want to share with you three principles from what we read about them here in 1 Samuel chapters 18 and 19 that will enable us to be the kind of friends that glorify God. So, here goes. Here is the first principle that we get from this great friendship between David and Jonathan. We discover in their friendship that true friends are committed to one another. And right at the beginning of chapter 18, if you look at the start of that chapter, it gives us a brilliant idea of the depth of the friendship that existed between these two men. Look again at chapter 18, verse 1, and we're told there that Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. So, that's much more than an acquaintance with which we share the odd joke. That's more than just grabbing a quick coffee with someone. No, there is something much deeper going on here. It was as if these two friends were one person. Now, sadly, in our sexualized society, it seems to be almost obsessed with same-sex relationships. There are some who come to the conclusion that David and Jonathan were in fact lovers. But that's not what the Bible says. There's no sense of that in what is presented. The many things that are presented in Scripture about the friendship that existed between these two men, it is simply people imposing their cultural values on history, and we see that so often in our society today. But rather, what we have here is an absolutely beautiful description of deep friendship. What is it that we're told about them? This is the incredible thing. They were one in spirit, so that it's clear that they were committed to one another, because first of all, both of them were committed to the Lord. And we see that running through this book. We see how they shared the same faith in the Lord. So, that back in chapter 17, when David took on Goliath, that was the thing that we noticed about David running through that whole story was his confidence in the Lord. 
summed up in what he said to Goliath towards the end of chapter 17 in verse 46, where he tells him, the Lord will hand you over to me. And we get to see the same sentiment, the same confidence in the Lord from Jonathan on through the book in chapter 19. Look at chapter 19, verse 4. And there when Jonathan is courageously challenging his dad Saul about his treatment of David, he reminds him, the Lord won a great victory for Israel. And we get to see a principle here that is important for us to understand today, that if we want to be good friends, and if we want to have good friends, and no man or woman is an island, we do have that desire. Well, we will be most committed to one another when we are first committed to the Lord. Do you have this kind of deep friendship? And here today, I especially challenge men to stand up against the culture that we live in. So often, especially as Christian men, our friendships are so superficial, we ne never get beyond football or food. But is there someone you are one in spirit with? The thing is, in coming to Jesus and finding in Jesus the greatest friend of all, then we become new creations in Him. And we are enabled to love others as ourselves in the way that Jonathan loved David here in this story. But let's move on because a second principle here from their friendship, and that is that true friends rejoice in each other's success. The thing that makes this close and this deep friendship that existed between David and Jonathan all the more remarkable is Jonathan's background, who he is. Remember that Jonathan is the son of Saul the king, the very same Saul who is trying to kill David, who resents him, who is jealous like mad. And let's think about this. Remember that David at this stage had already been anointed as the next king of Israel, and that meant that Saul's days as king were numbered, but it also meant that Jonathan, who was the heir to the throne, would not actually take up the throne. David would receive it instead. And you would imagine that that would cause resentment, but look at what happens instead in verse 4 of chapter 18. Look at this carefully. We're told that Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. And I want you to see and understand the incredible symbolism of all of this. It's much more than a mate lending his mate some clothes. It's much more than giving a nice gift. No, Jonathan was part of the royal family. If you want to describe it like this, he was the Prince of Wales. He was the next one on the throne. And yet, what he's doing here in giving his robe, in giving all of these symbols of his office and his position, he's saying, look, David, I recognize this. You're the Lord's anointed one. 
and he was not resentful of David. In fact, he rejoiced in his friend's blessing from the Lord. Well, what about you today? I know what I can be like. I'm being honest here today, and I hope you can be honest before the Lord. I know how resentful we can be of our friend's success. That we pat them on the back and we say, that's great. We smile, but deep down, it kind of eats away a wee bit. Why didn't I get that? Why didn't I go there? Why didn't that happen for me? And when our friends are successful, well, we understand that ultimately that is the Lord's blessing in their lives. We need to follow the example of John the Baptist, who later on in the Scriptures in John chapter 3, verse 30, he looked at Jesus, and John recognized who he was in comparison to the Christ. He was only the best man. Jesus was the groom. He was only the one preparing the way. Jesus was the main event. So that he looked at Jesus and he said of him, he must become greater, I must become less. He must increase and I must decrease. And we must begin with putting Christ first. When we do that, everything else will fit into place. Because when we put Christ first, when we earnestly follow Him and trust Him, then, by God's grace, we will be changed to be the people that He wants us to be, to be more like Jesus, and to be able to love and befriend people in the way that we see here in this passage. But one final thing, and that is that true friends watch out for each other's well-being. They really care. And again, I want you to think about Jonathan's circumstances, that it is his own dad, Saul, who is the most powerful man in Israel at this time, who wants his best friend David dead. So, you want to talk about divided loyalties. Jonathan's head must have been fried. So, why did he side with his friend David over his own dad, the King Saul? Well, again, his trust in the Lord is so central to this. He understood that David was the Lord's anointed one. And so, from that moment on, Jonathan committed himself to protecting his friend, even from his father. And I want you to see the way in which he does this in chapter 19. First of all, in verse 2, there we see that when Saul decides to kill David, Jonathan is the first to warn him. Look at verse 2 in chapter 19. Jonathan warned David, saying, my father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding and stay there. Now, today, if we think about our friendships, I don't think any of our friends are in physical or mortal danger in the way that David was here in this story. But our friends can still be in danger, and they need us to watch out for them. They need a warning from a friend. Sometimes that is danger from others. Their reputation is being attacked. Rumors are being circulated, and we need to be that person who steps in 
and has that conversation with them. But more than often, because our friends are sinners like us, because our friends are prone to wander in the way that we are, our friends will be a danger to themselves. They'll be in spiritual danger. So, are you a good enough friend to confront someone when they're drifting away from the Lord or when they're falling into sin and it's so obvious to you? That's the hardest thing to do, but that is true friendship. But not only did Jonathan warn David, the beautiful thing about Jonathan's friendship here in chapter 19 is that he also speaks up for David in verse 4. Look at what we're told there, that Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father. And think about the cost of that. And he said to him, let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you. And what he has done has benefited you greatly. Jonathan speaks up for David. He's an advocate for him before his father. And when you think about it, here Jonathan was standing up for David at a cost to himself. Ultimately, it was David who stood in the way of Jonathan taking the throne, but Jonathan stood up for him in close and deep friendship. Now, as we come towards the end today, remember that we're, what we're seeking to do in this series. Remember that bigger story, that greater story that runs all the way through the Scriptures? We're always keeping an eye on a much, much greater King, a perfect King who was still to come, King Jesus. And if we want to be the right kind of friend to someone, then we can ultimately learn from the example of the Lord Jesus, just as we trust in Him and benefit from what He has done for us. Next time in this series, as we approach Christmas, we'll think about David as being that forerunner to Jesus, that in many ways, he is a king that shows us what this perfect king is like. But as we finish today, just consider how Jonathan, Jonathan, in his wonderful friendship to David, points us ahead to what Jesus would do in a perfect way. Think about what we have heard about Jonathan today, that first of all, he gave up his rights and privileges for the sake of his friend. And then we think about King Jesus. Jesus, we're told, led aside the majesty and the privileges of heaven. If you want to put it like this, he forfeited his kingship in order to come into this world, to become one of us and to die for us. And then the other thing about Jonathan that we have discovered is that he spoke up for David before his father, the king. And today, if you're a believer in Christ, I want you to know that Jesus is not only your Savior, Jesus is your great high priest. He's the one who is speaking up for you in the very presence of His Father. 
And even though you and I are undeserving of God's mercy, even though there is absolutely nothing that we bring to the Lord that makes us worthy of His love, Jesus speaks up. He pleads His own righteousness. He says, no, it's because He belongs to me. It's because she belongs to me that they can stand in your presence. It's because they belong to me that, Father, they deserve your perfect love and your gift of eternal life and should never perish. And not only did Jonathan speak up for David, he went further. And think about the cost of this. He brought David into the very presence of his father, down in verse 7 in chapter 19. And we know today that Jesus is the one who at great cost to himself brings people into the very presence of his father. Never forget what Jesus tells us about himself. He proclaims, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. And he spoke those words right before he went to the cross. What a friend Jonathan was to David. And what a friend Jesus is to those who would trust in Him. We're going to sing of that together. We sing that beautiful hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. <laughs>